You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Fancy meeting you here. <laughs> We're surrounded by poop bags. I know. It smells lovely. Come join us. Doesn't it? I love these poop bags <laughs> by Earth Rated. Can you um, please explain that? All right. We've been having a competition. And the reason why I have them here is not only just not to, to make torture me. smell delicious, <laughs> but, but because we've been having a competition on our website and on our social media, and it's called Poop and Tell. And it's a conjunction <laughs> with Earth Rated. And we've asked, been asking people to send in their stories about the most embarrassing place their dog has pooped. Oh, I thought you told them to send in their poop bags. That's why they're all here. No, oh. no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm talking about clean poop bags. Gotcha. <gasps> Terrible. Um, what's the worst place your dog has ever done it? And hmm. I know we've talked about this before, yeah. but um, hashtag poop and tell if you guys mm-hmm. want to find out about it. Go to positivity.com. All right. So I wanted to say my top five. Yeah. So we've got a lot of submissions. We had a lot of people submitting uh-huh. their great stories about the worst place their dog's ever done it. How and long so, is this going on? Oh, we're done with it now. Oh, you're done. Yes. Okay, good. And we right, had a couple of winners in. who won bags. And, and so... Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Anyway, so... I love it. And I just wanted to share a couple with you. Please. I want to know. All right. So the first one is I pooped in my adopter's shoe because I wanted to go back to my foster mom and adopt (laughs) her. It worked. (laughs) That is a clever, clever dog. Oh my gosh. Isn't that fab? That's one of my favorites. All right. Here's here's, the adopter put the shoe on and that's how they discovered it. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be fabulous? I mean, that's just the way for the dog to tell you, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I can't speak a language, but I'm going to poop in your shoe. I'm going to give you a message loud and clear. Oh my gosh. All right. Second one. While searching a train for explosives, I pooped in the VIP carriage prior to David Cameron's <laughs> arrival. David Cameron is the you know the, the prime, prime minister, minister for the UK. Not for that much longer, actually. Searching a train for, for isn't that fabulous? Oh my gosh! I know. Well, maybe the, the li- maybe it was a sign. Well, it probably was. The Labour and Liberal Democrats and Labour would be very happy about that. <laughs> All right. I pooped on a walkway that had holes, and it fell through <gasps> onto someone. Oops. Oh my God. What? I want to know, like, the post note. Like, what happened after? Like, what do you do? Or just like, nothing to see up here? Especially if that was more liquidy poop. I would have just said, Did you see that big bird? Did you see that bird fly by? Dude, that's good luck. (laughs) Except it smells like dog poop. All right. Um, One time, Courtney ate the oatmeal left in a bowl on the kitchen table and then pooped in the bowl. Oh, that was polite. Yeah. Like, here, I'm going to take and then I'm going to give back. Right. You shall. There you go. I'm sorry I took your meal. I'm going to give you something in return. Last one. Or it was just rubbing it in, really. (laughs) He had already gone potty, so I didn't have a baggie. Three blocks later, he poops in the city mayor's front yard. (gasps) 
Oh, unfortunate. Uh, but that has happened to me where I've had two, do- like my dogs, I swear to gosh, they like one will go. I bring two bags with me and it was a three poop walk for <laughs> one of my dogs. And the, by the third poop, it was not so solid. And I was like, I'm coming back and no one's around, but you don't know who's looking out their window. And I'm like, I don't seem to have a bag. I'm talking to myself. Now they just think I'm crazy. I will come back, Kashmir, with this bag to get your poop. Like, I do exactly the same thing. I do. Really, mostly all the time I have bags. Mostly all the time. That doesn't make sense. But you run out like if you have Sometimes if I run out, I will go back and get it. (laughs) I do too. I mean, there's no way I can. I cannot leave it there. I will not. I know. But I'm so afraid someone's going to see me and be like, oh, she can come back. And then they go away and they don't know that I came back to pick it up. So I had to make a big. They'll be like me when I see people let their dogs (laughs) poop. So I had to make a big deal about it. But yes, so I guess that would be our behaviors. Are these on the website? They they are on the website. Yeah. If you go to positive.com and look for the forward slash poop and tell, you'll be able to find them. And it's hilarious. I mean, just just look there and have a laugh. It's just, oh my gosh, it's great. I love it. I'm very excited about our next guest. Okay, and I've known him for a long time. He is just one. You know, through animals, <clears throat> you meet the most incredible people. Mm-hmm. I really count myself lucky. I met you. Yes. Well, I'm glad you think that's lucky. No, you are. You are. You are. You are very special, and not in that way. <laughs> you are very. You're a very lovely person. Um, Steve Dale is another very lovely person, and. He is a certified animal behavior consultant. Mm. This is a man who reaches more pet owners than any other pet journalist in America. Oh, wow. And he has a twice-weekly syndicated newspaper column for the Chicago Tribune. He's the host of mm-hmm. two nationally syndicated radio shows, Steve Dale's Pet World and The Pet Minute. Awesome. It's heard on over 100 radio stations, syndicated black dog radio production since 2005. He's a special contributor, positivity contributor. I've read his blogs. They're good. Mm-hmm. And a program host. So we love him. And he's going to come in here and he's going to talk about some really cool stuff. Oh, well, let, let's get him on the phone. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. It's the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, Steve, how are you? I'm great. This is so exciting for me because usually I'm at one end of the microphone introducing, it's me or the dog, <laughs> Victoria Stilwell. See, nobody, now, nobody introduces me like that. It's fabulous except you. <laughs> so what do we say? It's Steve Dale. How about that? Maybe? Thank you very much. <laughs> um, okay. So we want to talk to you. All right. You deal a lot of different behaviors and you know a lot about dogs, you know a lot about cats. And interestingly enough, I was reading your wonderful 20th anniversary, Steve Dale. There's 20 years of Steve Dale. Every time you talk about Steve Dale, you get that noise. I love it. It follows him everywhere. (laughs) Um, And I was reading that and I was really interested in what what you said that cats are still America's most popular pet, but they don't receive equal veterinary care compared to dogs. And they're given up to shelters more often and adopted Mm -hmm. from shelters far less than dogs. So you know so much about cats that we wanted to ask you about something that I think is really important, cat socialization. Well, if someone were to knock on your door, Vic, and say, I've just got a puppy, what do I do? You'd say, well, 
find a dog trainer, go to an appropriate puppy class. Well, it really should be the same answer for cats or kittens, and I think, in a sense, even more important. Here's the story. I was at the North American Veterinary Conference Postgraduate Institute. I was honored to be teaching there, and uh, in one of the instructors was a veterinarian from Australia, veterinary behaviorist, boarded in veterinary behavior in Europe, America, and Australia. She is an overachiever, I believe. <laughs> I, I think the only person on the planet boarded on three continents in behavior. And she said, she was giving a talk about kitten brain development, and she parenthetically happened to mention, and when I do these kitty kindies, and I said, my hand went up, I said, these what? <laughs> she said, kitty kindies? I said, is that underwear cat? Where, what are you talking about? And she explained that these are socialization classes for kittens. And instantly, it was, you know, that light bulb that goes off. And it did, because I instantly, all through my mind, all at once, I recognized that, yeah, if we can get kittens socialized to getting out into the world, which means they're okay with going in the carrier, they're okay with going into the car, then they're okay going to the veterinary clinic, we have healthier adult cats in America. As you just point out, cats do not see veterinarians as often as dogs do. And in fact, dog visits are down. And preventive illness, as a result, is up in cats and dogs. So if we can get cats to the veterinarian, we can help them. Absolutely. That's, but that's one thing. Secondly, if they're not stressed when they do go to the veterinarian, veterinarians can actually do a better job of giving an exam to a cat that's just purring or at least tolerating the visit as opposed to a cat that is screaming and wants to get out of there. And you're spending your time as the veterinarian and the veterinary technician trying to control the cat. And when you're hearing the heart, you're not hearing a relaxed heartbeat. When you're getting the blood drawn, you're getting a skewed vision. I mean, it's better than nothing for sure, but it's hardly <laughs> ideal. In addition to that, when you teach a puppy class, Vic, as you know, it's really, yes, all about teaching certain things for the dog owners, but it's really about answering questions as well. And, and it's the same in the world of cats, and I would argue, well, even more so, because there aren't as many outlets. There aren't cat trainers, typically. So people do have questions about, how do I get my cat to scratch in the right place? How do I teach my cat to go in the litter box rather than next to the litter box? And on and on, and we talk about basic care as well. People don't know sometimes even how to play with a kitten. You play with a kitten with your fingers, it can be cute when it's a kitten, now you have an adult cat is biting at your fingers, and that cat could end up at a shelter. So we talk about all of these and many more topics as well as an opportunity to communicate with cat owners. It is absolutely wonderful. I endorse these kitten socialization classes. The thing is that the kittens have to be in this little tight window age-wise. So for puppy classes, Victoria, how old do puppies tend to have to be to do a puppy class? Well, really, it's from about 7 to 16 weeks. Okay, ideally, but what you have in the dog training world are dog trainers who have extended that out, right? You know, so a dog that's even six months or eight months old is in a puppy class. I'm not defending that and saying that's the right way to do it, but for these kitten classes, they really do have to be, have to be kittens. So they have to be between eight and 15 weeks old. Once they hit about 15 weeks, their demeanor changes from cute 
sponges that are these little kittens that accept anything. We bring dogs into the class. We want people to play past the kitten. So they experience different people of different ages who handle them differently. We have people do mock exams on these cats. So they're used to people playing with their paws, looking in their ears, similar to what's done with puppies. But the kittens for cats, they have to be, have to be in this little window of 8 to 15 weeks of age to accept all that. Yeah, you do have, I mean, with dogs, if you go slow, you do have a slightly bigger window. It's just that you're going to have more success if you do it within the sort of primary socialization window, which does, depending on breed, fit, close at around 16 weeks. But it's interesting how similar it is. And, you know, we are so into, I mean, people, most pet owners know about puppy socialization, but the whole idea of kitten socialization, I think is, I don't think it's done that much. Because you tend to think of cats as solitary animals. Yeah, but again, it's more than kittens socializing with other kittens or with other cats. It's about life skills. I guess you're teaching. Is that, would that be right in saying? Uh, Well, what we do, I think so. I, I didn't quite catch all that, but I think what we do in kitten classes is, yes, at some level, very much the same as what's done in puppy classes. But we're also able to bust myths about cats. And as you Mm -hmm. said, cats indeed are social. They're just social differently than dogs are social. But they are social. So in this window of 8 to 15 weeks, we do take the kittens out of the carrier. They play with one another. They learn about being with other kittens. If they're over 15 weeks of age, we're going to have a challenge there because then they quickly change in their demeanor and the acceptance of a new cat, cats being cats, appropriately is going to take some time. But if they're within this window, it doesn't much matter. And some of the kittens are more interested in the toys than the other kittens. Some of the kittens are more interested in the little kids if we happen to have them in that class or the people playing with the, with the kittens. So it depends on the individual kitten as well. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you did. And that really can make a difference in the life of your cat. I mean, I've seen on TV and when I speak to you and uh, reading a lot of your your columns, um, how many cats out there do have problems in the home, especially, you know, some cats can be very aggressive. Well, the number one issue, behavior issue, turns out not to be a dog issue from the best I can tell. For companion animals, the number one behavior issue. So if you hold your hand as high as you could hold it above their heads, that's the number one behavior issue. It's way up there, and it is inappropriate elimination in cats. I would agree 100%. For any any number of reasons, cats that are thinking outside the box. Some cats are voiding, some cats are marking, some cats are even defecating, but it's inappropriate elimination. Then if you hold your hand about even with your nose, then it's number two. So it's really way down there as to the second most common problem, at least that I see and hear about from my readers and listeners and viewers, and that would be aggression in dogs to people. Uh, And then right below that, aggression to other dogs. And then we go on from there, you know, as to what the issues are. Probably then separation anxiety in dogs. And then right below that, uh, feline aggression to other felines, intricate aggression. And then I can go on and on and on. Yeah. Well, you know, let me ask you this. If you do, I mean, we talk about, yes, elimination problems are awful for cat owners who, you know, can't get it under control. But if you socialize a cat early, does it tend to make them happier? Does it tend to make them more well-adjusted? And would you see a decline of elimination issues later if this cat is more well-adjusted? 
That is actually a superb question. A lot of the behavior problems that we see in cats, and I would suggest Victoria would agree in dogs, are anxiety-based or exasperated by anxiety. Well, it turns out in cats, cats are incredibly emotional, and it turns out that there's a whole set of elimination problems that we broadly call feline lower urinary tract disease. We don't even know what it is. It's, it's, a, it's something that we generalize in saying it's not in of itself a disease. And it's not, we're not talking about urinary tract infections here, which actually separate kittens and sometimes older cats is somewhat rare in cats. So what is it then? And it's actually uh, from the work of Dr. Tony Buffington. We know at uh, the Ohio State University, we know that it is, cystitis, interstitial cystitis, that is created or exasperated by stress in the home. Hmm. So you're right about that. A lot of the elimination, we don't know the percent, a lot of the elimination, just broadly saying a lot, of the elimination problems in cats is related to this sort of broad spectrum that we call feline lowered <laughs> urinary tract disease, which is oftentimes related to interstitial cystitis, which is actually caused or related to stress. Now, what stresses out these cats? Well, it turns out a lack of enrichment mm. in the home is the huge contributor. But there are lots of other things that can create this. And yes, starting off on the right paw uh, <laughs> is absolutely advantageous. And it's also an opportunity to these kitten socialization classes to educate cat owners about what they need. So I'm a huge fan of keeping our cats indoors. The downside to that, and I want them to be indoors, please keep them indoors, but I just said it, there's a downside. And the downside, I think, is we live in a nation filled with brain-dead, fat cats. They've got nothing to do, and they just, some of them will manage and accept it and just eat and eat and eat, and we have a nation then of those overweight and obese cats, mm -hmm. and in fact, 60% of our cats are that. However, cats are hunters, so they do like to spend their time taking those cat naps, yes, absolutely true but not all day every day and they do have prey drive and not activated those cats i think in some cases can actually become clinically depressed so educating cat owners about how not to even get anywhere near that picture and all of that can cause stress and also how to enrich the household and if we can do that yeah we lower the chances of this feline lower urinary tract disease sort of syndrome happening with our own cats at home. Hmm. See, that's and why... You can't, and it's like anything else. You can't address something if you don't know about it. No, right. of course. And, you know, so many of the things you're talking about, cats are the same with dogs. You see stress in dogs and anxiety in dogs because they're just bored and there's nothing to do. Look, Steve, I mean, there is so much to talk to you about. Would you come back again on another one of our podcasts? <laughs> In a heartbeat. <laughs> Thank you, because you are, you're an absolute mind of information. And this is something, you know, obviously everyone knows me because it's me or the dog. And But I deal with a lot of cats because I have to. I go into places where there's going to be a bad relationship between the dogs and the cats. In fact, Holly, when I, mm -hmm. when I met her, her gorgeous, beautiful American bulldog pit bull mix, Kashmir, had a problem with George, their cat. And so that's something that I had to work on. So could we get you back on the podcast again and talk more about this? subject and maybe Holly we can talk more about what George went through what yes. we did and also about elderly cats yeah, as well I would love it that I would, would love be it, great Steve. Steve thank you so much thank you thank you man he was good 
I can't wait to have him back because um, now I want to talk to him about old cats. We talk about young cats, kittens. I have, you know, an 18-year-old cat who's got some issues. So can we bring him back? Let's, oh, it's all about me. It's all about me and my cat. Oh, my George. gosh. No, okay. we, we all benefit. <laughs> we all benefit. All right. And everybody benefits from Ask Victoria. So let's get to it. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard of genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they, they physically miniaturize the dog or is it a puppy? What, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. Ask Victoria is brought to you by Adaptil. Dogs get anxious and stressed just like humans. And just like humans, they don't always express it in the best way. And many pet owners might not realize that these unwanted behaviors, such as excessive barking or soiling in the house, hiding, destroying household items, are caused by stress. And all kinds of things can create stress for your puppy or dog, including loud noises, new people and surroundings, traveling, being left alone. And Adaptil is clinically proven to help reduce or eliminate stress-related behaviors by mimicking the natural pheromones pets use to communicate. It has a calming effect on your dog, which makes your home a happier and hopefully quieter place for everyone. And Adaptil is available in a collar, diffuser, spray and wipes to help keep your dog calm in just about any situation. Best behavior starts with Adaptil. And if you want to find out more on how Adaptil can help your dog's behavior, check them out at AdaptilUS.com. All right, let's jump into our first question. And since we started the podcast with pooping, let's start as Victoria with the same. You like that? That was funny. You're awesome I'm the because you're going to ask me about a dog eating poop, aren't you? <laughs> Not eating. This is actually oh. pretty good. Okay. I like this one. This is Arielle in Maryland, and she says, she has a 13-week-old puppy who we often take outside to use the restroom. But as soon as we come inside, she poops. Please, what can I do to fix this? How old did you say the puppy was? 13 weeks. 13 weeks. The action of pooping can... <laughs> I never thought in my life that I would ever hear a statement, a sentence that began with the action of pooping. <laughs> the action of pooping can render one quite vulnerable at the time of poopage. And that's why some animals don't like to poop outside because it's too scary. See, you know... Yeah, I see what you're saying you're because fine. you're vulnerable if yes, you're in the middle you are, of it. Exactly. You'll find actually a lot of dogs orientate themselves and like to poop in a, with their back to something that is solid. Right. So that back area is covered. <laughs> now they just got to watch out the front. That's why when I first teach a puppy to go outside, I'll do it in a place that I feel the puppy's very confident and very safe. Mm -hmm. And that's what they need to do. Because I think that's what's happening. Also, if it's too hot outside or too cold outside, sometimes it takes a while for a puppy to get to that point where it needs mm -hmm. to poop. And by the time it's got there, you're inside. Ah. Or it's too hot, I don't want to poop outside. Yeah. Or it's too cold, I don't want to poop outside. So they'll wait for somewhere nice and warm. Could you imagine if we humans had to do it outside? Once upon a time, we did without houses. Well, of course we did. <laughs> oh, you know what? My father... My father's house in Leicester, in England, not Leicester, <laughs> but in Leicester, England, it had an outhouse Wow! when he grew up. It, See, it so had an outhouse. So they would go you. out and they would have to do all of their stuff freezing cold. We now, thank goodness, have nice warm toilets. Mm -hmm. But what would it be like if we had to go out? You know, you'd want to just do things as quickly as possible. Sometimes for animals, 
it's much, much easier for them and more comfortable to poop in the house. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. So gotta, you've got to stay out a bit longer, mm-hmm. make it a wonderful environment, do it when the temperature is kind of nice, right, right. and find a place where you think the dog is going to be is most comfortable and is going to be most successful. So if that's got two walls behind them, if it's in a mm-hmm. corner somewhere, that's a really great area to do it in. And then if you're out there for a while and puppy hasn't gone, come back into the house, wait for about 30 seconds and then go out again. Mm. And keep doing that in, out, in, out until puppy has to go outside. When puppy does go outside, don't go crazy excited because that might put your puppy off. But as the puppy's going, say, good. Right. Or some kind of praise and then afterwards, good and have have a nice little scratch or something. Whatever. Awesome. Okay, the next question is from Katie in Germany, and she says, how do you motivate a dog to come when called that's too old to want to play? So how do you motivate a dog to come when called that's too old to want to play with you or even toys and is not food motivated? I have an older girl that just wants to trot around and smell the flowers, which are so much more interesting than me. She will come if on a long line, but not if she is loose. Yes. That sounds like my Sadie. Mm-hmm. My Sadie, she's getting old. I do have noticed a change in behavior there. Mm-hmm. That either she doesn't hear, which I think she does hear. It's just called selective hearing. <laughs> yeah. Or it doesn't, or it doesn't really doesn't matter care. to her anymore. <laughs> yeah. I made it this far. What can you, you know do? You know what? Exactly. I'm going to, you know what, mom? I'm going to just sniff. Well, do what I and want. And you can do whatever you want. Because I, there's a great smell here. I've seen that in Sadie as well. I do think older dogs, you know. Slowing down a little. They do. And they are slower to respond. They either can't hear very well or they can hear and they literally, they just want to do what they want to do. And if you're not happy with that and you can't go over to go and leash them up, then keep them on a long line. Yeah. That that works for me. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not a cop out. It's just the easiest thing. Please, for the love of goodness, don't put a shock collar on your dog and train your dog that if they don't come, they're going to get a shock. But a lot of people do. Oh, that's insane. I mean, more people than you could ever imagine Mm -hmm. use shock collars on their dogs. That's crazy. Would you put a shock collar on a two-year-old? Okay. Where the neighborhood where I live, I see a lot of women, Mm -hmm. it's all the women, walking around with their dogs on shock collars. And there's one woman who she cycles with her dog. Mm -hmm. And it's a Wiesla, has a shock collar on. Mm -hmm. The Wiesla's off leash. Now, she's going around, she's cycling on the road. So they are crossing busy streets wow. and other and slightly quieter streets, but there's still traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her dog is running all over the place, into neighbors' yards, into the road, onto the sidewalk, and she's there with a shot collar. Ugh. So if he wanders too far, she zaps him. Does he come back? He comes back. Wait until does. one day that dog's going to figure it out and he's just going to be like, I'm no, out. but you know what? But also but what he does, he comes back and he comes over the road to come oh, back. Oh, gosh. Are you kidding? So Apparently I think that's just ignorance. <laughs> yeah. She, she Some people have. use shot collars that they don't really know about. There's a lovely lady in our neighborhood who has a shot collar and a dog. I'm going on a tangent, shot collars. But a lovely, she just doesn't know. Yeah. She's got a kid. She's got the another Burmese mountain dog. And she uh, she just has a shot collar on the. And I just want to go up to her and said, hey, you know what? Why don't you use that shot collar on your children? Yeah, it'll and keep them in she line. Says. Exactly. It's great. Exactly. See what she says. She'll look at me with, think I'm crazy. <laughs> All right. All right. Next question. Hi, Victoria. We recently got a Min Pin puppy. He Good was luck. eight weeks old when we brought him home. And, and we expected some issues on his first few nights with us. It's been more than two weeks now. And he's 
still whines at night. It's getting so bad most nights. My husband and I only get three hours of sleep if we're lucky due to the dog waking up every one to two hours to whine and scream. Please help. I can deal with a few nights of anxiety screams, but not 10 years without sleep. That's from Tyra in Canada. Wow. Wow, wow, But he's wow. still young, though. Isn't that an age where they're still missing yes, their mothers? Eight weeks and they're old. No, not first few nights. Yeah, try. Look, he's eight weeks old. He's a baby. He's a little baby. And he's been taken away from his litter from his mom. Mm-hmm. Where is he sleeping? Is he sleeping in the room with them? Is he sleeping in a crate next to the bed or is he in another room? If he's in another room, he should be in your room and he should Mm be in a crate next to your bed so that you can reach your hand down to him and say, hey, it's okay. He needs a security blanket. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you do that, you're going to have a very, very anxious pup growing up. So, yeah, this is going to go on for a good couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And you need to be there and make sure that you're there as his place of attachment. It's nighttime. He doesn't want to be by himself. And so the other thing is the whole controlled whining, like controlled Mm -hmm. crying of a baby. Mm -hmm. I used to think that, you know, let the puppy whine. After a while, just let the puppy whine and don't feed the puppies whining by Mm -hmm. reinforcing the whining with attention. But it's the same concept with controlled crying, isn't it? For a baby, let the baby carry on so that it doesn't think that it's crying is going to get attention. But then why is the baby crying? The baby's crying because there's a need there. Mm -hmm. The baby needs something. What, you're just going to ignore that? Puppy's whining because there's a need there. Mm -hmm. And you're going to ignore it because you don't want to reinforce that whine. It's a really, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong. It's a delicate balance. But it is a a balance. Mm -hmm. And... That's why I would say have the crate next to the bed, hand through the crate and just be there. And then maybe, you know what, there are some toys and I've forgotten what they're called, but they have a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. A very, very low heartbeat. Put that in the crate with the pup. Put something warm the pup can snuggle up to so that it feels safe. Let me ask you this, too. You know, puppies, they tend to go 100 miles an hour and then they conk out and then they're out cold. Do you think it would be beneficial for her to tire the puppy out and play with the puppy a lot before bedtime? Would that help? Uh, sometimes, sometimes maybe yes, and sometimes no. Sometimes you can just rile the puppy more and make them more restless throughout the night. Uh-huh. Um, puppies need a lot of sleep, and they need a lot of sleep during the day, and they need a lot of sleep at night. And I think she's just got to stick at it, and I'm mm-hmm. really sorry. I've had both. I've had puppies, and I've had a daughter as well. <laughs> and I can tell you, for the first four months... I did not get hardly any sleep. With the dog or the daughter? With the daughter. <laughs> the dog is about a couple of weeks, but with the daughter, it was, yeah. yeah, it was four months. So, you know, in four months' time, email us again. Yeah. Then we need to chat. But let's, you know, give the puppy time, please. Right. And I love it because good for you for giving your daughter time. I did give her time. <laughs> I gave her time. But at four months old, I said, you know what, kid, that's enough. No. Four months old, she started to sleep through the night. There you go. I love it. All right. Ask Victoria. We love you. Thank you, Adaptal, for sponsoring I'm, us I'm and uh, for this segment. I'm thinking of you with your daughter, Alex, and just... Um, well, I was the best mother. I know you were. I'm sure, and I'm sure it killed you more. the most paranoid mother. I had to always go and see that she was okay. Breathing. She was breathing. Mm-hmm. Every night I would get up when we moved her from the crib next to my bed to her own room. I literally would get up every hour, mm-hmm. check she was breathing. Wow. My mom, uh, with the crying child, my mom always says, Nancy, for a first smartest woman I know, she has a rule for babies crying. She goes, three days. She goes, I can do this in three days. The first night, they're going to cry all night. You're not going to sleep a bit. Drink coffee the next day. The next night, they're going to cry half the night, and you're not going to sleep a bit. But whatever you do, those nights, you don't go in there. Third night, sound asleep. 
Does she charge for that? Every time. Does she charge for it? (laughs) For you, it's free. Wow. I don't think I'm going to have another child, but hey, if you're listening out there and you're about to give birth, well, good luck to you because you are going to be very tired. Cheers to that. Try the Nancy Furfer rule. All right. Until next time. It was a pleasure, Holly. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.